0: Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. The Chris Voss Show. Welcome, my friends, neighbors, relatives, uh, all the people around the world. This is the Chris Voss Show. Welcome to the greatest show on earth. For the greatest audience on earth that has ever been assembled or some sort of BS like that. I need to pay an opera person or someone uh, to come sing that part. in fact, we have an opera person on the show where we're talking to her about her experience in her wonderful new book. So we'll be getting to that, but maybe I need to pay that one guy. What's the guy who does the uh, fight ring thing where he goes, get ready to rumble. I I could have something like get ready for some stupid stuff on the Chris Voss show that he's going to say, and he's going to have a really intelligent author on, uh, which is pretty much the way we do things around here. Anyway, folks, as you know, you know, the drill, uh, you should have it memorized. Many of you have been actively doing that in February. You double our listenership. Which is hard to do, actually, after 13 years. Uh, but uh, refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Go to goodreads.com, for chess, Chris Foss, YouTube.com, for chess, Chris Foss, uh, the big LinkedIn group. The LinkedIn newsletters are killing it over there. They're very popular, and uh, everyone's really been enjoying them and all the stuff that goes into them. So it's pretty cool that way in what's going on. We have an amazing author on the show. Monica C. Parker will be joining us here in a second. Uh, she is the author of the new book, uh, The Power power of wonder the extraordinary emotion that will change the way you live learn and lead it came out february 21st 2023 but uh at first uh, we're, a little segment we're doing called the news and we're having some fun with it here in the thing it's not the kind of news that you're you're like oh god not that kind of news uh this is from the ap the associated press so this isn't something we just made up uh coming soon reese's cups chocolate bars are going to be made from plants you'll be able to get Reese's peanut butter cups that are plant-based to get the vegan treatment. Uh, Hershey's company has announced they'll make the first vegan chocolates to be sold nationally. So I have some questions, people. This really makes me wonder, like, has this whole time uh, Reese's cups been made from <clears throat> meat? Like, like, has there been meat in them? What's going on? I mean, peanut butter is peanuts. Chocolate is made from plants. How's that not vegan? Like was E.T. in the movie? Was he like a carnivore? Is that something we didn't know? Like, uh, what do you do? You say, "Hey, hey, honey, would you like some of my steak?" She's like, "Nah, I'm just gonna have some of my Reese's cup with a little A1 barbecue sauce and a nice Chianti with some fava beans." What was in Reese's Pieces before? This is like the same time McDonald's came out and said, uh, "Hey, we're gonna uh, put chicken in chicken McNuggets." It's like, what the hell was? You're like, what? What was? What was going on up until now? So there you go. Well, this is important because younger consumers are looking for this. The new Gen Zers, you know, they want these uh, these more healthier products. Um, sadly, you'll we'll still have the same packaging that will fill up landfills and pollute oceans. But, you know, who am I to judge what people are going to do and what the youth of this country want to do? So there you go. But the one benefit is, is they will get to charge a dollar more for it. So I think we all know what the motivation is here uh, in other news uh this is this is unbelievable this also comes from the associated press uh and it will blow your mind uh german ice cream uh parlor is offering cricket flavored scoops a german ice cream parlor has expanded its menu with a skin crawling offering cricket flavored scoops with dried brown crickets on top because we all know that's what uh, that's what uh, we were missing with ice cream, right? All of us were sick of that dairy stuff and the sweetness and you know strawberry, chocolate and orange. Uh, we decided we really want to go with, with crickets. I don't know what's going on, man. Like what is going on in the world? First, we're uh, discussing whether we're putting meat in Hershey's or Reese's or Hershey's Reese's cups. Um, now we're just working on this. In the past, the gentleman who's done this in Germany, He's offered liver sausage and gorgonzola cheese, ice cream, as well as uh, gold ice plated uh, cheese. So I don't know, man. What what are you up to next? We got crickets and ice cream, arachnophobia. Is that next? Spiders, putting them in there? Um, So there you go. It's uh, evidently it's legal now to use crickets for everything. In fact, maybe we'll start using them on the show. Maybe we'll interview a few of those crickets. Anyway, on to the... (laughs) On to, the, on to the real news, the important news, the intelligent news that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, once again, we have Monica C. Parker on the show, and she's going to be talking to us about an amazing new book, The Power of Wonder. You can order it wherever fine books are sold because you want to stay away from those alleyway bookstores. I thought she was going to be an interesting guest today, and I'm sure she will be. Uh, she has held the positions of opera singer. I'll probably hire her for that part I talked about in the beginning. Uh, museum exhibition designer and homicide investigator. Defending death row inmates for Flores department, I like to say at the beginning of the show, uh, I had nothing to do with that body they found last week. Uh, it's just a joke, people. Uh, she's a world-renowned speaker, writer, and authority on the future of work. Monica Parker spent decades helping people discover how to lead and live wonderfully, wonderfully being the keyword word there. Uh, she's the founder of a human, a global human analytics and change consultancy hatch whose clients include blue chip companies and uh, such as linkedin google prudential and lego that's got to be fun lego uh parker Challenges corporate systems to advocate for more meaningful work lives, and we've seen that with the uh, new thing with uh, what is it? The uh, you know staying home, remote working. In addition, her expensive advocacy work, she's been an opera singer, a museum exhibition designer, and homicide investigator. And uh, she's a lover of the arts, literature, and Mexican food. Hey, that makes two of us. Uh, and her, uh, she spends time with her family uh, between Atlanta, London, and Nice. Did I say that correctly? Nice, France. Yeah. There you go. I'm. 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 Fairly well traveled, at least on Google Maps. Uh, <laughs> Joe, Monica, how are you?
1: I'm great. How are you, Chris?
0: There you go, and thank you for being patient through the first ever segment we've done of news of the oddities or the weird. So,
1: yeah, I'm right. I'm fascinated. I I want to I want to know what meat products were in the uh, in the Reese's before.
0: Yeah, like I don't know, man. I mean, I I do remember a time I think I was eating one and a bone was in it? No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Don't don't sue me for whatever her she's. But uh, that would be funny. You're just like I I didn't know this had bones. It's like fish, the bones come out. Anyway, let's get on to your book. Give us your dot com so people can find you on the interwebs and get to know you better.
1: Yep, they can find me at monica-parker.com and also and on LinkedIn and Insta and all those other great places at monica c parker.
0: There you go. So, what motivated you to write this book? Is it your first book and what motivated you?
1: It is my first book. Um, What motivated me? Well, I've been fascinated my entire professional career. I've been fascinated by how people manage change, big existential change, change like, I don't know, COVID or losing your job or in the case of working with people on death row, losing your life at the hands of the government. Um, And And I really set about to write a book about change management. And when I started researching, I kept coming back to this notion that the elements of wonder really help people be more buoyant and be able to withstand change more successfully. And I just went down a rabbit hole, a wonder rabbit hole. And four years later, um, we have a book. Um, So it was really just a a fascination with this topic and a belief that, um, that if I was as fascinated, other people would be as well. And I thought that it would um, be something that people could talk about and would help us live life more meaningfully.
0: There you go. The power of wonder. So, what is wonder specifically, or or generally? What 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 is the definition? Yeah,
1: of so it's the kind of a shapeshifter. It's a really a strange word. It can be a verb and a noun, right? So we talk about to wonder, which is sort of the curiosity element of it. But we can also talk about a wonder as a noun, like it was it was a wonder or wondrous, and it could be descriptive. So what I wanted to do is sort of link those two ideas into one cycle. So I describe mm-hmm. it as. Five interlinking elements. I call it watch, wander, whittle, wow, and woe. And what those oh. comprise of are is openness. So being openness to experience, which is a personality trait, but also openness to ideas, to new ideas and openness to new people that we might not interact with all the time. Then wander, which is curiosity. And curiosity is a, an incredible emotion. Uh, it, it helps us be more empathetic, being curious about other people. And certainly as we age, of course, you are, are forever young, Chris. Um, but as we age, we find that we tend to be less um, curious about things. We think there's less to be curious about, but in fact, there's so much that we can still find curiosity in. Then when we talk about whittle, that's really about being very absorbed. So that might be in the state of flow. That's an expression that a lot of people understand that sort of getting in the flow where you're you're fully absorbed in the moment and an activity. Um, but it's about paring back distractions so that you can really be present in the moment. And then the last two elements, wow and woe, Um, represent awe. And the reason that awe gets two elements is because awe really has two pieces to it, which is the first, the moment you experience something that gives you a sense of awe, it's so vast. It it makes you feel like a smaller component part of a bigger system. And we frequently feel that uh, emotion, maybe seeing something incredible in nature. I mean, you're in Utah, there's incredible awe-inspiring vistas there. Maybe it's seeing your child walk for the first time. And then after we experience that, we have the woe moment. And that's where our brains actually are changed by the experience. So from that point on, we never see the world quite the same way again. Hmm. And so this cycle becomes almost additive. So the more that you experience, say, curiosity and absorption and awe, then you're more open. And it continues to become additive and becomes easier to tap into wonder the more that you practice it.
0: There you go. You know, it, it's, it's always been interesting. To me. I remember analyzing this when I was young about how there's, you know, the element of wonder as a child, because you're discovering everything for the first time. And, uh, and, and so it's, it's like new and fresh and you're just like, wow, cool. And then, you know, after a while, you know, you, you, I would see, you know, adults and I would kind of see as a teenager, you know, wow, these adults really get jaded and kind of get locked in their, in their thinking and their ways. And, uh, I really saw, you know, a difference that, and, you know, Anthony Robbins wrote a book and one of the most important things I think I learned from it was I'll always asking the question of why, mm. um, one of the reasons I love being uh, a podcast host was from Larry King who said, uh, always be interested in other people, find out what's going on. Why, why did they choose the way they went? You know, the wonderment, the curiosity, as you say, and, uh, and it helped me with my businesses too. And I think you do that as well with the work that you do.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you make a really solid point. I I say in the book that um, uh, Rilke, you know, a very famous um, uh, poet from probably now at this point, almost 100 years ago, says that it's the to always be beginning to to Mm. treat the world with a beginner's mind. And we see that babies are little wonder factories, aren't they? I mean, they look like they're practically tripping all the time as they're they're seeing things that are going around. um, And their their brains are constantly their schema are always changing, and their brains are changing Mm. as they're experiencing this. And we do become jaded, our brains almost become jaded. And what happens is our brains start to experience things and say say, I understand enough of that so I can put it into this box and say, I've already experienced all of it, rather than really looking at the details and saying, wait, there's always something new that we can be finding about what we're observing and, and trying not to just run our life in autopilot, instead to try to be really, really aware of what we're seeing. And it does. It helps us in our relationships. It helps us in, in our work. It helps us be more creative, more innovative. So it has lots of benefits. And, and you've mentioned a couple of them.
0: Yeah, it makes all the difference in the world. And, you know, I... I found that a lot of people get stuck in their ideas. They get stuck in their patterns. They uh, get stuck in their thinking. You know, I mean, I I, I experience the one uh, the power of wonder every day when I turn on the news and look at some of the politics that go on in this country. <laughs> There's a joke in a punchline, um, but uh, no, being able to wonder and be curious about things. I wrote uh, something that was really important to my um, niece and nephew when they graduated school. I, I wrote to them and I said, listen. Be a story collector. Collect stories. Learn from life. Stories are our uh, life manual, basically the the, the the owner's manual of life. That's how we learn about life yeah. is through stories, other people's stories, the, the books that, uh, and authors we have in the show like yourself. And uh, so I wrote to him. I said, look, there's three things in life you need to keep an eye on. Number one, what you know. Number two, what you don't know. And number three is the most important thing that you need to focus on. What you don't know, you don't know. And Mm. that's an endless, expansive universe. Um, And so those things will either help you, the things you don't know that you don't know, by going out and seeking them and being in wonderment, as you put it, uh, learning those things. Uh, And also the things that you don't look at will probably be, you know, they always say the bullet that hits you (laughs) in war is the one you won't hear coming. So, uh, you know, sometimes life throws you a wing ball that uh, introduces you to a whole new concept of pain of something that you've got to overcome or survive in order to uh, get to the next, uh, the next level or survive. So uh, I love the challenge of wonderment. And so you, you talk about how um, this applies through psychology, neuroscience, philosophy, literature, and business. Uh, tell us uh, some more about that.
1: Yeah. So I think that when you describe wonder, most people go, oh, yeah, I felt that. And we certainly see it. You know, we see it in in religion. We see it in the description of like uh, the story of um, of Saul and um and the the idea of scales falling from his eyes when he saw god if you look at other religions there the i there's uh examples of of krishna and and um and the way that that people experience um i guess uh religious awe but we see it in philosophy as well even philosophy of art and the way that we Um, observe the world, but I'm really keen as a consultant and as a business owner that people recognize that wonder at work can be really powerful. We love, while we might not have the language for it, we want to work in wonder-based organizations. We wanna work in environments where people are humble, where they're empathetic. Where they're generous, where they're innovative, where they're honest—these are all outcomes of people who experience lots of wonder. So, um, people who are um, more who are more wonder prone are more humble. And what's really interesting, Chris, is that. People around them perceive them as more humble. So their friends will say that they're more humble when they've experienced wonder. Um, They're absolutely less materialistic and more generous. Who doesn't want more generous coworkers? They're better team members. They um, develop stronger relationships. And so wonder can be a really powerful mechanism for drawing together um, better teams, for creating more diverse and more inclusive teams, for being more tolerant, um, and, and just really... I guess more. Uh, I guess more willing to work with people that are more di- that are different than you are, and I think that that's something that we, frankly, just need a lot more of.
0: Definitely. I mean, the way I approach the show is, what can I learn from this person today? I, I get a front row seat to brilliant minds like yourself. Clearly, I'm not one of them. Uh, <laughs> brilliant mind, uh, but you know, I get to I get to sit front row and I get to learn stuff, and that's what I really love about my show, and hopefully, my audience does too. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, asking questions and being curious and wondering about things was something that helped shape my business career and being uh, my own my own boss, my own company and stuff. Uh, before that, I would walk around uh, companies and go, you know, why do we do it this way? And they'd be like, oh, I don't know. We always did it this way. The guy before me did it this way. And, the, and we've been doing it ever since. You know, and there's lots of different examples of that in business books and, and other, uh, other features. But I would say, why do we do that this way? If you, you know, this really, when you look at the whole picture of maybe a pro, a business process from front to end to, to do something in the business, you look at it and you go, you know, we really don't need these two middle parts or this middle part, or why do we do this stupid part in the part that seems to kind of just extend things, but it doesn't really add to anything. Maybe it takes away on, on our turnaround time. And so, Uh asking questions like that was real important. And I was able to walk around companies and my own companies and go, why do we do it this way? And sometimes the answer would be, well, you're the idiot who came up with the process. And I'd be like, yeah, that's right. I did. Why do I, why did I design it this way? And sometimes I'd find that that was the best design, at least from what what we had so far. Or sometimes I was like, yeah, you can still tweak this. You can always be tweaking. You can always be improving. You know, I always, I've always talked about how, you know, I, I never thought anybody could improve on the uh, paperclip. You know, hey, it's a wire thing. And it holds paper together. And beautiful job. Good job. Done. Finished. Over. Now, uh, you know, now they paint it. They make it all sorts of different uh, things. They they kind of give it a grid, I uh, uh, forget what the word might be, but kind of a thing where it will hold better. And uh, there's a million different variations of paperclips. Who knew? And so, uh, you know, the curiosity and asking the questions, how can businesses and companies, because a lot of people see this on LinkedIn, um, how can they get better at, uh, at developing wonderment inside of their organizations?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, I, we do a training on Wonder at Work and, and some of the elements that we focus on are starting with each of those five components of Wonder. So we talk about openness to experience and how can we grow our sense of openness. Openness to experience is a personality trait. That means that half of it is genetic and then half of it is pretty much set by the time we're 25. But there are ways that we can grow that. One of the ways to do that is, to, as I mentioned, to be um, to be open to not just experience, new experiences, experiences, but in particular, new ideas, ideas that you might not always entertain. Another way to increase openness is to get really um, comfortable with nuance. Um, One of the challenges with the way that we're taught in schools is we tend to be encouraged to find the single right answer. Um, And that is what we're graded on and scored on. Um, But what that does is it tends to grow thinkers who believe as adults that the single right answer, once they have it, then that's it. There's no more discussion, right? We decided it and we can move on. Um, But that doesn't leave a lot of room for gray area. And I think we see that in politics today. Everything is black and white. It's as polarized as could be. And I think the more that we embrace sort of that uncomfortable um, mixed sense of, well, it could be one or the other, and allow ourselves to hold two opposing ideas in our brains at the same time, that's very helpful. Um, Being more curious, asking more questions, you talked about that, and being curious not just about systems or processes, but about people. Because when we're curious about people that's truly the heart of empathy is Mm -hmm. being able to just ask people questions about themselves and genuinely want to know the answers not just doing it because you're trying to fill time in a um in the elevator you know really that you want to know about this person and that's the that's the genuine empathetic sort of concern you want in a workplace and then being able to create work environments and work cultures where you can truly focus and pare back your attention, where you don't feel that you're being distracted, that's another key element of wonder at work. And I love to see some of the outcomes. Again, we've talked about things around humility, around honesty. Um, uh, organizations that have higher wonder metrics are, are more ethical as well. And we certainly have seen lots of shenanigans with naughty businesses, and I think we'd probably like to see less of that. And so there's so many ways that we can bring this into um, the workplace also ends up with creating greater well-being. And we all know that w- it's something that we could have a lot more of in our workplaces and we're getting more of that working flexibly. But I think that there's a lot of potential untapped benefit if we were to look for more wonder in our work.
0: Definitely, And, and you know, it's kind of, there's kind of almost a gratitude to it, isn't there where you're grateful for what you have and you're in your wondering more about it, is gratitude?
1: uh... Absolutely. Gratitude is a great wonder bringer. And one of the things I talk about in the book is about building a wonder practice. You know, this isn't something that you just wait around to a light, like, oh, someday I'll experience something that gives me a sense of wonder. No, it's really about a way of seeing. And so what you want to do is start to create a mindset that says, I will experience wonder today. If you prime yourself and say that you will find wonder, you usually do. And gratitude is one of those great ways ways, um, to bring more wonder into your life. And you mentioned about storytelling. If you link gratitude with narrative journaling, so basically writing about what you're grateful for, but writing it in a narrative way, meaning like a story about yourself that becomes incredibly powerful because not only are you experiencing the sense of wonder in the moment when you're grateful, but when you go to write about it and reflect on it, your brain almost re-experiences that that, um, that boost of that wonder boost again. And so really w- linking storytelling in with gratitude, with nostalgia is another way of remembering the things that happened before. And then even daydreaming, which is a great way to sort of almost tell a story about ourselves that's going to happen in the future. That's another mm-hmm. great way to bring wonder practice into your life.
0: And that's something you talk about in the book, daydreaming. Yeah, and, daydreaming uh, so- is very positive. I've been fired from like 50 jobs because I was daydreaming, but it was basically, um, well, I was playing Call of Duty at work. No, I haven't been fired. That's just a joke. Um, so uh, you talk about how daydreaming is a gateway to wonder. This mm. sounds like a drug thing. Didn't Didn't the dog say that was bad when I was a kid?
1: There you go. Well, th- and there is a whole chapter on psychedelics in the book. So we can oh, talk wow. about that. About that's, ah. a, that's a whole other gateway. I have some
0: friends that will um, like this part.
1: There you go. Um, But daydreaming is is really powerful. There's a couple of different types of daydreaming, a few Mm -hmm. that aren't so great for us. There's those kind that where we really ruminate, where we think about something negative, maybe where we're reflecting on that time we said something really stupid. I know, Chris, you've never done that ever in your life, but I have on occasion.
0: Every damn day.
1: Yeah. So where you said something really stupid, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe and you're running through that. Or maybe you're sort of fear of future um, daydreaming where you think I'm going to give a presentation it's going to be so bad. They're going to chase me out with pitchforks. Um, those aren't so great, but the kind where we cast ourselves forward and imagine something, they call it positive constructive daydreaming or PCD. Oh. And that positive constructive daydreaming where we imagine and we put ourselves in different scenarios that, um, that we can construct and and help us imagine positive outcomes. That's very, very helpful. Um, and it helps us really to be more resilient. It helps us to uh, to understand more about ourselves. And it is absolutely a wonder bringer because what happens is it allows us to imagine experiencing wonder in the future. And when we do, it sort of connects our brain in a particular way and gives us that little extra wonder boost.
0: There you go. I mean, that's wondering about things and pondering them and going, I don't know, what is that over there? It's how I found Twitter. I, I heard Twitter being talked about by a lot of different people, and it set me on this course to this social media person back in the day. And uh, we started our podcast 13 years ago, going on, I think it's 14 this year, um, in August. Uh, and uh, it's coming faster than I want it to. I mean, I, I don't mind being 14 years old, but Jeez, can we slow this year down already? Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it it it's a thing where it's put set me on courses and changed the course of my life, my business. There's probably a million stories I can point to it, but just sitting down sometimes is going. Oh, what am I am I doing the right thing? Is is it good there? Um. So you know, you talk about letting yourself be bored too in the book, mm. and I've noticed this recent with the addiction problem I have with TikTok. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes I'm watching TikTok videos when I get up and I'm maybe making some food or something like that. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I've always been a person in my life where sometimes I just like the quiet. I just kind of like to sit, maybe enjoy my dogs, pet my dogs, play with them, throw the ball, go through moments where there's on a space. And I've been finding, I've been filling it more with distraction. Mm. And there's a lot that you really learn when you don't be distracted and you just kind of Deal with yourself, and you you kind of deal with your thoughts, and you kind of think about things.
1: Absolutely, I mean, I joke that there's the expression to twiddle your thumbs, but we it's almost an acronym. We don't twiddle our thumbs anymore. We we employ them quite deftly on our phones, right? They're, we're not. We, we don't sit around waiting for our dinner companion to show up anymore. We don't sit in a doctor's office waiting, you know, leafing through all of the old magazines. We we were on our phones. Mm-hmm. And the challenge is with that technology is the technology knows exactly how to get you to be surface curious. So it wants you to stay just on the top enough of an, uh, of an idea for you to then want to jump to the next one, to the next one. But the problem is we never fall down the rabbit hole. We never become deeply curious. And then we never allow ourselves to have that paired back from distraction. And this is one of the challenges and that's why being bored really can be quite helpful because in fact, um, there's a comedian uh, that did a whole bit about it's ridiculous that we would ever be bored because there's so much to be interested in. (laughs) But Of course, we're just constantly filling ourselves with all of this distraction. And when we're distracted, our brain goes very much into autopilot. So there could be something that is really awe inspiring that if we just gave it a little bit more attention, but we don't because we're always so distracted. So one of the first things, and I'm bad about this, Chris, I'll tell you, but to put down the phone, for just a little while and to allow that sort of uncomfortable itch to crawl up the back of of boredom and then to just sit with it and see what happens in your brain as you sit with it and see where your brain starts to take you. That kind of daydreaming can be really, really positive. And I don't think we allow ourselves enough time for what I call slow thought because we're always just so quick to hop on some device to fill our brains with whatever junk is being fed to us Um, as opposed to just allowing it to sort of wander in a positive way.
0: There you go. What what were you saying again? I was watching my phone. I was checking my email. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I was not doing that. Um, So this is really important. You know, sometimes there's a kind of a peacefulness, almost a meditation. It's not really meditating. Like, I don't get any weird yoga positions because I can't. I'll probably hurt myself in my old age. Um, But, you know, just being alone with your thoughts, being, being cool with just relaxing and kind of letting the flow. And it's interesting how a lot of stuff will come from the subconscious to cue you or so the conscious will feed you and go, Hey, you know, uh, maybe you should look into this and all that sort of good stuff and watching and learning. Like I'm, I'm a real collector of data. Uh, I'll give you an example. Like last night I was buying, uh, being old, like I am and drinking all the years I did. I need a lot of, uh, hydration. So there was a product I was buying. I won't mention it cuz they're not paying me. So screw them. Um but there's a product I was mentioning that was uh uh that hydrates you and this little thing you put in your water and stuff like that and I take it every day to try and make sure I uh, stay hydrated, you know, everything's about keeping all the factories working on the inside in the old age. Um, and I've been concerned about it because I've been doing intermittent fasting, and I do intermittent fasting daily. But I was doing some extended ones last week, and I was really concerned about it triggering my, you know, taking me out of keto if it's got sugar elements in it. And I really think about it. I just ordered off Amazon. Well, this morning (laughs) I opened up Facebook, and I have opened up some sort of Pandora's box of the five trillion competitors that compete with this major brand you find in stores that do almost the same thing, but also I found finally one that popped up on my Facebook ads, uh, that won't take me out of keto and or claims to not take me out of keto and doesn't, uh, have sugar in it. And it's supposed to be more designed for what I'm trying to do. And so with that wonderment and it's, you know, instead I could be saying, ah, stupid ads on Facebook. But then I started noticing, I'm like, Hey, there's like a pattern here going on with these ads that are being fed to me. And they're clearly because I was, I bought that product, but There's also some interesting, you know, there's one that was like, hey, 30%. So now I'm actually going to find a better product because I paid attention. I was curious and I started reading the ads that were coming at me and hopefully I'll have a better life experience uh, with my health.
1: And that's a key component of it is this idea of priming. You basically Mm. primed yourself that this Mm. was something that you wanted to find. And this is one of the reasons why when we write down our goals, we're more likely to achieve them. I mean, this is research going back 50 years that they found that if you write down your goals, you're just simply more likely to achieve them. And this isn't some, of course, if you choose to find some sort of mystical connection, that's great. But there's also just a very neuroscientific backing to that, which is that if you tell your brain there's a reward for finding something, I want to find X, you know, I want to find more wonder, I want to find, uh, you know, a h- new hydration solution, um, then your brain decides, okay, there's a reward at the end of this, it will cut, co- uh, it will commit more cognitive resources towards finding it. And so what's happened is you primed yourself to find it, and it appeared. And this is one of the great pieces of research around what's known as a wonder walk. So um, Researchers, scientists who took two groups of people, sent them on walks in nature, had one group just go on a walk with no priming. And the other group, all they said was one sentence prime, you're gonna take a walk in a new environment and you're going to find something to feel a sense of wonder about. That's it, one sentence. Hmm. The people who went on the wonder walks were more likely to find wonder. Whereas the people who went on the regular walk ended up thinking about you know, a trip they had to take or some issue with their work. And they're they're ruminating and missing everything on the walk as opposed to saying, I'm gonna find this thing Now your brain is looking for it. And so really a lot about wonder and a wonder practice is just the power of priming. Having your brain say, I am going to look for this. And there's a reward for myself when I do find it.
0: There you go. And then what the other reward could be one of those uh, Reese's meat cups. There You and go. You have to reward yourself. That's usually what I do with Snickers bar or Reese's. Re- yeah. I'm going to start dipping that in barbecue. That's a callback joke. People, you have to go watch the front of the show. Uh, the one thing, other thing you talk about is stop chasing happiness. Mm. and uh tell us more about that because maybe a lot of people yeah. need to hear that nowadays
1: so much um so much these days of self-help is about being happy you know abundance theory is happiness a, a whole the whole self-help industry tends to focus on finding happiness but the problem is is we are so bad at knowing what makes us happy Chris this is the problem it's it's a term mm. known as affective forecasting so we think something will make us happy and usually it's something right Right, it's the it's the Reese's meat cup. It's the new pair of shoes. It's the cold beer. Whatever it is, it's usually a thing which is known as hedonic happiness, mm-hmm. um, and we think that it will make us happy. But the challenge is, is especially with hedonic happiness, once we have it it's feels sort of good for a minute. And then we go back to our, uh, our, our baseline. It's what's known as the hedonic treadmill, not the kind that will allow you to eat lots of Reese's meat cups, but the, it's a different kind of treadmill. And so this is a treadmill that you're on this process. And then you end up being right back where you started. But, The other challenge is that happiness is what's known as, it is a positive emotion, right? It is always positively valence. That's Mm -hmm. the term that they use. And so sometimes you think, I can't really be happy when there's a pandemic. I can't be happy when there's a war in Ukraine when we're watching footage about it, but you can be in wonder. And that's what's amazing about wonder is that wonder can actually be a steady state. We can feel wonder even in terrible times and take good from it. And so there's research that shows that people who suffer from PTSD are able to use wonder to help them metabolize what it is they've experienced. We can feel wonder that has a silver lining. So there was research during COVID that found that. When we we would see the terrible statistics from COVID, but then when we saw the ways that people supported one another, when we saw the healthcare workers putting their lives on the line for for us and our well being, then that gave us a sense of wonder, while still being you know recognizing that there was a mixed emotion there, and that's one of the challenges. The happiness is just not a steady state. We're really bad at knowing what makes us happy, and it's not realistic all the time to have this constantly positive and sometimes toxically positive attitude but being, having a mixed emotion, a little bit of interest and um, and I guess even some sadness mixed with the, the buoyancy and happiness that we get from seeing what other people do and putting those together in the wonder package is much more sustainable, more achievable and the bonus a little bit like on a game show, but wait, Chris, there's more. It usually does end up making you happy at some point, um, but I believe that it's more sustainable and more easily achievable than happiness.
0: And what was that scientific term that you mentioned earlier?
1: Affective forecasting.
0: Affective forecasting. Mm. Is, does does that include I I read or had an author on we talked about how you know it's it's more about the journey than the destination mm. and we're more happy heading towards the goal then we finally achieve it is that part of that uh, yeah
1: it can former? be absolutely because w- frequently when we get to that point then it feels like it's there's a there's a finality to it okay mm-hmm. well now what <laughs> no. um whereas again yes the journey is part of the 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 um enjoyment of it that's also sort of that eudaimonic happiness it's more about the well sense of well-being um and also i think that wonder can be a journey for us always it can be something that we're always seeking a path that we're always on um a little bit like a meditation practice you never arrive somewhere unless you know perhaps nirvana Uh, i don't think any of us are getting there except maybe if we're talking about the grunge band but
0: i bought the um, album earlier yeah Yeah.
1: there you go um so i think that it's it's about it is about the journey as a person and i think it's just about being more realistic on what it is that we will make us feel a sense of wellness and a, a sense of, of psychological richness. That's another term that people are starting to use of a, ah. of a new type of happiness.
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a tattoo of that, psychological richness. Which there you I, go, which I have none, but I'll have a tattoo. Um, the uh, <laughs> I think my psychiatrist is gonna fight me on that one. Um, the uh, and, and maybe we'll have to reschedule the front, the frontal lobotomy, uh, but maybe not. I don't know, the show might be funnier if I have a frontal a lobotomy. bottle
1: in front of me or a frontal lobotomy,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah, you grew up in the same area I did. was <laughs> that, Dr. Demento? Did, did you grow up for that? I, I spent my teenage years listening to Dr. Namento late at night. I wasn't allowed to because it was, uh, you know, I don't know why it was just, adult. Uh, yeah, it was very, it was kind of adult, but it was, it was, uh, just, uh, you know, whatever, but you'd also have to listen. I think I had to listen in the middle of the night for some reason. I think it was the hours we kept or something, but, um, yeah, Dr. Demento, what the boy that really brings me back. I should find out if that guy's still alive. Um fish heads and fish heads. You know, this is really though an interesting conversation. I came home um I come home every day when I drive, you know, I go to the store, wherever I go and uh in the garage there's a gate for my dogs and it's a gate so they can go through the doggy doors and then go outside. But there's a gate there to keep them from escaping into the garage and of course out the front of the house. And My, my, uh, baby girl puppy, uh, who's still my puppy. She's still the daddy's girl. She will always be there waiting for me at the gate and she's there waiting when I leave and she's there waiting when I come back. And sometimes it's the two of them, uh, my huskies, but usually it's just the one. And, uh, you know, I have a daddy's girl and I have the older dog who's just kind of like over me. She's like the hell with this guy. I put up with him all my life. She used to be the baby with the other dogs. Um, so I come, I come pulling in the garage, and the first thing I'll see is her sitting there, going, "Daddy's home, Daddy's home." And she's so excited, and I usually don't think about it much because I'm like, I don't know, I'm listening to some audio book of, of of some great author, or you know, I'm thinking about, oh God, I got a load of these groceries or whatever the hell I'm thinking about at the time. And I've never, I don't really appreciate it much. I'll smile a little bit, but I pulled in the thing and I saw her sitting there, and I just broke out this big smile, and I was so happy, and I just thought, how wonderful is it? How beautiful it is that, that I have some something in my life that cares about me, that loves me, that's sitting there waiting, that's just so happy to see me, that's so happy to be in my life, and appreciates everything I do. Uh, well, not everything, because, you know, they're always like, you need to give us more treats. And I'm like, I gave you more treats, you know, that sort of thing. But they're dogs. Um, but, you know, it just struck me, and I'm like, you know, I really need to appreciate this moment more. I really need to appreciate this more. Because this is really true happiness. You know, eating another, uh, you know, b- bone-filled meat Reese's Pieces cub probably isn't going to be quite as happy as coming home and seeing my dog, especially when I pick the bones out of my teeth. <laughs> and that's
1: a that's a that's a psychological term known as savoring. And actually, I I was having a conversation with another podcast about the connection between savoring and wonder. So savoring is is the is, is intentionally choosing to sort of mark that moment in your head so that mm-hmm. you remember it in the future. And it's not, you know, it doesn't feed into toxic positivity. It's not saying that, oh, we're always going to have those moments. It's recognizing that those moments are unique and to cherish them and to say, I'm going to remember this. I'm going to, I'm gonna really give it the attention that it deserves so that when we have to deal with the crap that always comes, um, we'll remember that moment. And that really connects into wonder. And we talked about it before, we can savor the past by, through nostalgia, we can savor the present through gratitude, and we can savor the uh, future through daydreaming. And so mm-hmm. what you're talking about, that moment of savoring is really powerful for us and it connects directly to wonder.
0: There you go. And as we go out, let's let's touch on one further thing to tease out. Uh, you to write about allow your expectations to be flexible. Give us a a short uh, hit on that.
1: Yeah, and so um there are there's two sort of unique qualities Uh, um uh they're not quite a part of our personality but they do develop over time and they're what are known as need for cognitive closure and need for cognition so need for cognition is basically people who like to be nerdy you like to learn stuff you're hungry for information you're always like oh i want to know more 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 why 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 And the need for cognitive closure are people who, as soon as they know the answer, that's it. They shut it down, they're happy to end it, and then they just don't wanna learn anymore. Those are separate factors, but they're they're not on the same spectrum. But what you find is people who are high in need for cognitive closure are usually low in need for cognition and vice versa. Because obviously, it's basically people who are super curious and always wanting to find more and people who are happy as soon as they have the answer. And then they want to shut the conversation down. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about being flexible, it's about being high in cognition, it's about wanting to always learn more, know that there's always more to learn. Because when we do that, we feel more comfortable with the gray area, we feel more comfortable with the nuance, we feel more comfortable with there being competing ideas, and sometimes holding both of them at the same time. You know, we can't even have there can be two competing notions and they can both be right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having that idea, that level of flexibility, that mental flexibility is really powerful. I think just for starters, it will create a more tolerant society. It creates better communities. um, But it's also just good for our brain. It makes us more resilient. Um, There's a really interesting study that showed that widows and widowers, when they reflected on the past of their spouses who had passed away, when they remembered both the good and the bad about their spouse, they were able to better manage their grief. And so if we're willing to hold two ideas in our brain at the same time that maybe seem competitive, um, but that allow us to be really flexible and move between them, that's a really helpful um, for our well-being, both mentally and physically.
0: There you go. I love it. You wrap that just wonderfully. You know, it's 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 so important, and being able to hold two opposing ideas in your head at the same time is so is so important as well. You know, we do that. I do that with politics a lot. I, I sit and uh, I can see both sides of the party. I've been on both sides of the party parties, and um, I can see. I don't have to agree with them. I don't have to say they're right or they're morally ethically right, but I can see what the motivation is behind it or the arc of the motivation or design behind it. We've got a lot of authors on the show who write about, you know, some of the powers that be and, and, and some of the people who control government and money and, and everything else through SCOTUS rulings. And, and so you can see what their motivation is and what they're trying to do. And you can just understand the game more. You don't have to, holding two opposing thoughts, thoughts in your head, you know, you can take a topic and go, well, I see why this side, Uh, thinks this way and this side thinks this way and what their Ben Franklin features and benefits are um and you know you can kind of understand people better that way Mm. you know we've had both political party people on the show and uh for the most part we stay away from the toxic ones but you know we can hold those and the same thing in business i've been able to hold two opposable ideas and at the same time we go well you know this system works good this way this works this way um it, it seems like you know we live in this universe especially with social media where we do that uh uh, what's the term where we, where we basically seek out the news or we seek out the data and information that we want that just validates what we already know or validates yeah. the assumption that we've made. And, uh, it, this is something we need to get away from and wondering about things and going, I don't know. Am I right? Am I crazy? Which is pretty much, you know, what my psychiatrist runs by me every day, uh, you know, is, is really important. And, and, you know, may, I don't have all the answers. I'm not the, you know, I learned that as a business owner uh, and owning my companies. I'm not the corner of all the great ideas. In fact, I've got some really bad ones, too, and I paid for it very expensively. Uh, So, you know, having, collaborating with other people, having them have better ideas, finding out more about them. And people are a rich tapestry. Human beings are rich tapestry. That's the thing I love about the show and what Larry King, you know, mentioned you know, people are interesting. They, they, the journeys they take, the turns they take, the the ways they get to where they are in life, the, the past they chose because maybe they were curious and maybe they just accepted social programming, but you know, how did they get here? And, uh, pretty much is what my psychiatrist says again, every day, how did you get here? And why can't you just leave me alone? But I pay him by the hour. So, uh There you go. Uh, Then I walk out in the the room and in the waiting room and go, (laughs) what if this is as good as it gets? (laughs) And then I leave. Anyway, uh, wonderful to have you on the show, Monica. Any parting thoughts or teases you want to do on the book before we go?
1: No. You know what? I guess the thing that I want to lead people is that Whatever they are experiencing today, whatever they see, um, whatever they think they've figured out about the world, that there is more, that there's so much more that they just don't understand. There's so much more to be, to learn, to be curious about, to be in wonder about. And so I would just encourage everyone to just look for more.
0: There you go. Look for more, which is usually what I do on the couch when I need some spare change. <laughs> There you go. Well, it's been wonderful to have you on. Uh, Thank you very much for coming on the show, Monica.
1: Thank you, Chris, for having me. Have a great day.
0: There you go. Uh, Give us your dot .coms, too, so people can find you on the interwebages.
1: Yep. So it's Monica-Parker.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter at Monica C. Parker.
0: There you go. And uh, be sure to check it out, guys. Order up wherever fine books are sold. The Power of Wonder, The Extraordinary Emotion That Will Change the Way You Live, learn and lead great for personal life. And your business. I think most leaders should read this because, you know, wondering about things, thinking about things. I think I read recently the biography of the CEO of Disney, the really successful recent one who actually just went back as the CEO. And he, he had kind of the same sort of thing. He wondered about that, uh, you know, the the beautiful sort of imaginary state of what has created Disney and everything else. Uh, and and that helped him build a better company. Uh, also uh, probably should give you guys a note uh, on Friday, the uh, February 10th, twenty twenty. Well, over a second billionaire on the show. He's wrote the book. How far do you want to go lessons from a common sense billionaire? He's going to be on the show. Uh, I think there's a third billionaire we're working on that we're talking to too. So be sure to check that out. So he's good to have billionaires on the show. Uh, just to uh, put me in my place and tell me how broke I am. No, I'm just kidding. That's not going to happen. I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. So look forward to that on the show as well. Uh, be sure to go to goodreads.com, fortresschrisfoss Chris youtube.com, fortresschrisfoss Chris all the crazy places on the internet that you can find us. Thanks for tuning in. Be good, stay safe and we'll see you next time or else. No, I'm just kidding. We'll see you next time. <laughs>